Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I hope I'm going to speak a little bit very quickly about last week's show, 762. I hope more than anything, I've had some interesting feedback, that's why I'm mentioning it. I hope more than anything, the guys listened to it and enjoyed it and took notes and became, shall we say, a little bit more aware. On to this week's show. As some of you may have heard, may have seen, I've just got back from a week training camp. It was about eight days training camp in Chamonix with the endurance team. Chamonix is a very special place as the 15 people that embarked on this training camp found out, especially those that have been there for the first time. And anyone who's been to Chamonix would know that it's quite special. It's not just because it's Chamonix, but as I'll talk about in this week's show, it's because of a number of different things that the mountains, the Alps and the outdoors bring. So in this week's show, I'm going to talk all about our trip to Chamonix, training in the mountains and what we learn. This is episode 763 of the Inner Fight Podcast. Enjoy the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Inner Fight Podcast. I'm in the UK at the moment and sat reflecting on... Actually, I was in Chamonix for almost two weeks. And I'm reflecting on what was an amazing two weeks and what was also an amazing week of the Inner Fight. The first... No, not the first, because I took people there in 2019. The biggest, shall we say international training camp that we've had to date. We took about 15 people from 15 of our clients from mainly Dubai, one joined from Ireland, one guy from Abu Dhabi, just trying to think exactly the makeup of the team. And we descended upon Chamonix. Rob Jones has had a long-standing association with Chamonix. His mum has had a property there for a long time. He's been going there for a number of years. I've been fortunate enough, together we actually cycled there in 2017 when we just decided to go for a week and cycle over the Tour de France route, which was absolutely awesome. I then took some people back there in 2019 for a training camp, just two guys who still talk to me, which is good, and we had a really awesome time. And the plan actually was that in 2020, good planning, everyone's in the same boat, so this was our camp from 2020 happening in 2022. Good things come to those that wait, that's for sure. Rob and I actually went out there about, it wasn't a week, it was about 10 days early, just to make sure that all of, (laughs) this was the excuse anyway, I guess it was legit. We wanted to make sure that all of the routes that we were running were safe, passable, and enjoyable for all the people that were coming over onto this camp. And they were. We ran most of them in the first 10 days. Some of them we didn't run because we wanted them to be a surprise for ourselves as well. But we knew that they were sort of quite famous routes and and very passable. And then we went into an amazing week of having everyone there, running every day, some days, twice a day, swimming in streams, laughing, talking, and generally just enjoying each other. And... It was pretty awesome. 
it's hard to describe a lot of the time. It's almost like taking a picture of something and what you see and what you get in the picture is very different. I think the things that we were able to take from the camp and all of these kind of camps are in the moment a little bit too much to take in and therefore some reflection on various levels is always healthy but some reflection on various levels brings out all sorts of different things and enables that picture to be a lot clearer and shall we say a lot less blurry. So in this week's show I'm going to talk about those things and I've managed to list 15 things. You might have to stay with me, some of them I might lab on a little bit about, some of them you might think are not important. You also might think are the same as the other one. I could have actually had about 25 things but I limited it at 15. And I want to kick it off with the first thing, which was quite interesting. Chamonix, not only Chamonix, the Alps, mountains, if you've ridden a bike in the Alps, in the mountains, if you've been running, if you've done anything there, you will know that it's one of two things most of the time. It's either up or it's down. So if you don't like either, and some people generally don't or genuinely don't, which my own opinion about, which I won't go into right now, then this is not really for you. Chamonix is a city or a town. It's not a city. It's a small town, quite tourist-driven for pretty much the whole year, actually, because you've got all the winter sports and you've got all the summer sports as well. It sits within a valley. On, on both sides, it's just amazing stuff to do. But to get into it, it's not actually very high itself. It just sits just over a thousand meters above sea level. And obviously all the action for sort of skiing is two, two and a half thousand meters for alpine climbing is, you can get up on a lift, a Gel de Midi, I think goes to 3,800 meters, which is a thousand meters below Mont Blanc, which sits at 4,800 meters, thereabouts, don't quote me. So with this village town sat at the bottom of the valley, you are either to get a run started, you literally have to go up. You can run along the floor of the valley. It's not very interesting. You don't get great views and there's a lot of tarmac there. So be ready. If you're going to the mountains, you're either gonna be going up or down. That is definitely number one. I'm gonna come a little bit later on as to the benefits of both and also what to look out for. But if you go to an Alpine training camp if you do a little bit of research on Google, you'll probably figure out that there's mountains, elevation, you'll be going up or down. Number one, you need to be cool with that. The second thing is when you do get up to these higher heights, you will not really feel any difference, the oxygen coming into you at a thousand meters. But when you get 2000, 2500, you'll really start to feel a difference. You're just not able to get as much oxygen into your body. And this plays a little bit, not only with your legs, but also with your mind, because it's like, I'm trying to breathe in and I can't get this oxygen into me. My legs are screaming at me and I'm, you're almost feeling like there's just not enough oxygen around, which we live in a really oxygenated state for the most part. And when we need to breathe and when we need to suck more oxygen in, we can get it but the altitude makes that a lot different. As I said, you're not really gonna feel that at 1,000 meters, you're not gonna feel it at 
1,500 meters. I was actually watching the Tour de France the other week and they were trying to be geeky about it and saying the, the point of 2,000 meters and above, it literally changes like that. And they, that particular day, the ride was on the Col de Glibier, which goes up to about 2,600 meters, quite high. Fully in winter, it's covered in snow. And they, they were talking about it, the commentators, and you could actually see the cyclist, when it got above 2,000 meters, you really started to see a lot of different attacks and guys not able to respond. Now, I'm not, I haven't looked into it too deeply. I'm not sure if that was just because that's where the race was at and the guys were really on the edge, but definitely you will feel it. And when you pass 2,000 to 2,500 meters, which some of the climbs we did were up to about 2,600 meters from the valley floor of a thousand and you could be going up that the steepest climb actually in Chamonix is the vertical kilometer which goes up vertically 1000 meters within a very short period sort of moving on the path which is about 3k which is probably about the steepest climb that you would do but you would ascend somewhere five to seven k you could climb a thousand to fifteen hundred meters which could take just a couple of hours a little bit longer if you obviously take more selfies and if you're real gas like all the top runners they'll obviously do it a lot faster what my point is there is that we're actually going to this altitude quite fast so all these kind of acclimatization which again at that level is not such a huge thing we're not talking about going up to everest but it does play a role so my second point is very clear is that altitude has a real effect on not only your legs but also on your mind a little bit because you just can't get that oxygen in and obviously on your lungs as well the third point is super interesting when you go out for a run it's almost like cycling i remember someone telling me this when i first started climbing mountains on, on my bike is that cycling climbing part of cycling is very individualistic you're not pulling each other. We see it in the Tour de France, again, refer referring to the Tour de France because it's on at the moment. The last week, this week, it's absolutely mayhem. Maybe the Runstrong guys will talk about it on Runstrong podcast. No, that's a Runstrong podcast, not cycling podcast. Anyway, it's more endurance-based. You see it when they're going up a mountain. They will have a guy in front of them, which is more just about pacing the guy and just keeping him a little bit sane, to be honest. But they'll get real benefit from their teammates when they're on the flat for the windbreak. And this is quite similar in climbing in the mountains and in running on trail, everyone is going at a different speed. But what's beautiful is that when we went out as a group together, no matter if you're in the front, no matter if you're in the back, we all know that we are on the same path. We're all on the same trail, which I think is very powerful. And we're either making way for the person coming behind us or we're following up the footsteps of the person that's gone in front of us. We know that if the course is hard on that day, it's hard for all of us. And we know that if it's easy and it's runnable, it's easy and runnable for all of us. And that just shows how together we are super strong. I think it would be quite different story if half the team were going on one trail, half the team were going on another trail. But just knowing that we're all passing through the same route, on the same trail, even though we're not together the whole time, makes it really strong and this beautiful sense of community spirit and making what's often quite an individual sport of trail running. You see a lot of people out on the trails on their own, 
which for me sometimes is a little bit empty. It's always nice to be with one or two people and share the views. Yes, there's good time for being in what we call solitary confinement and just sort of gutsing it out and being alone with all of your thoughts. That's super important as well. But just to know that you're on the trail and the same trail as your teammates from, from Innerfight is absolutely awesome. And I think it really makes us all a lot stronger. And at the end of some of the days, we would sit around, we would always start together and then we would sit and wait for our friends to come off the mountain or on some days, which was one day, we had to go and rescue one, but that's a whole different story and we probably won't share it because that's not very good for promotional purposes. But she was safe in the end, so don't worry about that. Anyway, I'll move on. Point number four. When you've done the hard work and when you've started at the bottom of the valley and you've climbed up to two and a half thousand, two six, two seven, and we were blessed with, did I just use blessed? Oh God. We were blessed, and again, with absolutely incredible weather. Bright blue skies, some days a little bit of cloud. The views in that mountain range, I think in any mountain range, to be totally honest, at that height are absolutely insane. And with that level of thought and level of, I don't want to call it insanity, but that insaneness, and I know it should be insanity, relax. You sort of have some really wild thoughts. Your mind opens up in a totally different way. What's also absolutely beautiful on these courses is that as you climb up through the trees, you get a view. And then as you work a little bit harder, you get a different view. And as you work a little bit harder, you get more view. So the closer you get to the top, you just keep on getting rewarded but you have to put your head down and work. And then when you're at the top, it's not always, but 98% of the time, it's one of the most amazing views. And it's so sweet because you've worked so hard for it. I like that bit. Maybe that's a bit deep for someone. I'll move on. A little bit technical. Two little bit technical points. And I said I'd come, out, come on to these in my first point, it's either up or down. When you're going up, you need a lot of muscle activation. And what I find, I've always found in climbing, is if I climb first thing in the morning, it's a really, really good way to, for want of a better phrase, just to switch on my muscle to start that activation, to get stiffness out of it from the day before, and just to prepare them. It also really helps, I find, because we've turned on all the muscles for injury prevention. And some days my legs were not as fresh as other days. And some days when we started running first thing, I would actually feel, let's say six out of 10, not really that good. But if that run was very short and then went straight into a climb, I could then feel my muscles activating as they went up the hill. You have to work, you, literally, if you don't use all your muscles, you're, well, you're working at like less capacity. And then when we would run at the top of the hill, I would feel way, way better. So we do get a lot of benefit, a lot of muscle activation on the way up. And this is also why if you're thinking about, okay, how can I, how can I do that in, in my daily life? That's why you see a lot in, in warm-ups for not only for running, but also in our, in our CrossFit classes or in any warm-up. We'll see a lot of sort of lunging because that is also creating the same muscle activation as well. So super interesting. You do it on a treadmill. If you're using a treadmill, you just go uphill. And there's another thing as well that, to, if you're going to go uphill, it will very quickly 
sort of unpick any inefficiencies you have. So if your left side is not working and your right side is taking over, your right side will get tired very quickly and you will almost be forced to activate the muscles of the left-hand side. Super interesting point on the way up. And on the way down, point number six is that if you do not control yourself, well, you'll fall over. And this is the beautiful thing. The, the opportunities to fall over, still got a nice gash out of my hand. The op- <laughs> that was, I think on that day, the day that I gashed my hand, I think I fell over about six times. Sometimes you save it, sometimes you don't. Everyone had a little bit of skin off them. It's, it's, almost, it's almost like a badge of honor. It's not a cool one. Don't do it. If you, if you can't, if you can, sorry, if you can avoid doing it, avoid doing it. But if you don't control yourself on the way down, what you'll find is that your, either your quads or for some people they'll actually feel it in, in their glutes and hamstrings surprisingly on the way down. What that actually is, is the glute is almost like a shock absorber. If that shock absorber gets overworked, it's going to get super stiff. If it stops working, then what's actually going to happen is the shock is going to go further down the chain. What we actually see is a lot of pain in people's knees. So I always think that if people are getting a lot of pain in their knees on the descents, A, they're not in control, and B, something is not happening further up the chain with their muscle activation as well. If you don't control yourself on the way down, you end up in all sorts. And it is, some of the trails that we're on over there are actually super technical as well. So a lot of them are doable for anyone, but some of them really need a little bit of control. And what you find is that people feel that going down should be a lot faster. Sometimes it's actually not. If you've got a really steep ascent or a really technical ascent, it can still take you 10 to 15 minutes per kilometer to go down. And you need a little bit of control for, in order to sort of, well, sustain life, but sustain a healthy state to keep on training day after day. Some days you feel really good and you want to absolutely gun it down. The next day you're probably going to have a little bit of a problem here or there in, in an area that you're weak or a rolled ankle. And that happens happened to a few people but that's all right they all came back safe and that leads to point seven really is that and it's it's kind of linked this point six and point seven but it is a lot harder than you think so when you're trying to calculate something and this is where a lot of people sort of don't really get it and it's one of the points later on about elevation you're not going to run at four minutes kilometer down these climbs. Some of them are 15 to 20%. So it's a lot harder than you think. Moving on to point number eight. And this ties in with what I was saying earlier that the village of Chamonix is at about 1,000 meters above sea level. There are actually cable cars which will take you from 1,000 meters to about 1,800, 2,000. That's where the skiing starts. Which, okay, I'll put my hand up. I used one on one day. I've always been massively against these. I think it was when I think I, I gained not a hatred, but a dislike for them. When I was about 18, I took my mountain bike and I went out to Morzine for a few weeks in summer. And I didn't have enough money to pay for cable cars. So I would ride my bike. I would spend about six hours riding my bike up ski slopes, up the mountains the whole day for about a 15 minute descent because on a mountain bike you do come down a lot faster than you go up it's the ratios are completely different to running and i used to see people on cable cars and just to sort of almost to make myself feel better i'd be like ah they're weak they're taking the cable cars i'll never take a cable car but the bottom line was i didn't have any money to pay for it but 
there is a point where the cable cars in a place like Chamonix are actually super useful. And what that point is, is that if it is 6K and 1,000 meters of elevation to get you up to where the beautiful views are and also some beautiful trails, it's normally through forests for the most part. And then the forest line cuts off just below 2,000 meters. So if you are, you can still get a great run. You can still get a great hike. If you take a cable car up, you can also take kids up there and get to see those beautiful views. You will still work a little bit when you get there because there's loads of nice trails to run and views to get up to. And you can go from 2000 up to 2500, 600, which might be great for you at that time. But yeah, there are cable cars and they're incredibly expensive in summer, but there's a good place for them. And I found that one day with Holly. It's the first time I've ever taken a cable car in summer, but it worked really good. We had an awesome hike. It was about an 8K loop around, a, well, there's actually a couple of lakes in the end, absolutely beautiful. And it was time and money well spent. And I still did about 40K that day. So I didn't really feel like I was cheating, but that was, I think that was always my thought. I was just like, ah, oh, we can run up. But for some people and for me on that day, it was absolutely awesome. And some of our group actually did take the cable car on a few days and had absolutely brilliant days. So we're all in for that at certain times. Number nine, and I think we know this as I'm sat here in a room in the north of England and it's 38 degrees outside, the impact of the weather is huge. We had an absolutely amazing week in Chamonix because we had sun and pretty much blue skies every single day. It does change things. It does make things slightly less interesting for a lot of people. And it does make views slightly less interesting for pretty much most people. The weather should not be excuse, should not be an excuse not to do something. But I appreciated more in the last couple of weeks and more since I came back and wrote the notes for this show, the great weather that we had than I've ever appreciated good weather, I think. I think that's right. On all of the trail running I've done. I put my jacket my rain jacket in my bag once and never used it so it was absolutely awesome apparently i got a tan i was out somewhere in york the other day and someone was like you've got a nice tan i was like thanks that's cool i'll move on <laughs> for those of you that did follow on social media i appreciate that point number 10 is nothing new to you but if you see cold water or water it's going to be cold in the mountains, get in it, drink it, bathe in it, freeze in it. It's so much fun. I don't know why people don't hop in streams and stuff. There was one, Rob's mom told us that maybe Ibex shit in it and maybe, and this is probably legit as well and it's not great for some people, but people that perish on the mountain in the winter, their bodies, some of the water might wash through their bodies and wash into the streams. No one's ever getting in water. I shouldn't have told that story, but that's what she said. But I drank stream water the whole time. Most days, I always took two 500 ml bottles with me. Most days I never filled the second one. I just filled one. I was just able to refill it on streams. It's absolutely awesome when the weather's good because it's so nice to cool down. The stream water, because it comes from the glacier, is always super nice and cold as well. So you're getting basically, one day we actually took water straight fresh from the glacier, which was absolutely brilliant. But 
to hop in it and to be able to, and Rob and I have pretty much always done this, we just go looking for streams that are deep enough for us to get in. And on the last day, actually, we just went in fully clothed, shoes on, which was quite a good test. I The race I did in Drakensberg there in April, my feet were wet for pretty much the whole race. And my I had the same shoes on, Hoka Speed Goat 4, and the same socks, Rock A running socks, the Trail Razor Cut, and really have absolutely no problem. So when we jumped in the water without even thinking about it, fully clothed on, on the last day, people were looking at us, oh, what's gonna happen to your feet? And actually nothing happened to our feet at all. But I don't know. It's There is something super powerful. You've probably all heard of Wim Hof and ice therapy and a lot of the BS that goes with that. But honestly, one morning on the Tuesday morning, we decided that we could run around the track in Dubai anytime. So running around the track in Chamonix probably wasn't really what we wanted to be doing. Although pre prior to the trip, it was actually a really good idea. We canned that and we went for a hike, which was supposed to be, well, it's a short hike. And anything, as I said, in elevation in Chamonix, it was 500 meters elevation. And it ended with a waterfall, which is amazing. And then these pools, which you can kind of just hop in. They're not super deep and you obviously have to be careful. Please, if you go out and do this, be careful of the current and be careful of rocks and just don't be a dickhead, basically. It's not rocket science. You don't need to be bare grills about it. You just need to use a bit of common sense, but you can get in and it is absolutely beautiful. One day, Holly and I actually just went walked a few k to sit by sort of a flowing stream stroke river and i could get in that you only need about a foot of water it's absolutely awesome so if you see water it's pretty much going to be cold and i just think if it's safe you should get in it point number 11 which i don't know if this is a little bit harsh and maybe i was there for a bit too long but i found french food and I put this, I've tried to put this in quite a nice way. I just find it quite limited in these, and there's a little caveat, in these kind of touristy places. You've got all the places on the square which are serving steak frits, some form of pizza, and some form of horrible looking pasta. Some of the pizzas, I think we tasted pizza maybe twice. Yes, tasted pizza twice, you heard it here. And... Both were, one was terrible, one was okay. I just find that the options are a little bit limited and flavor is kind of somehow missing, which is kind of a bit, French are kind of famous for their food, but generally it's, anyway, I'm not gonna be the food critic. What was our saving grace is that we're in Airbnb and we were cooking pretty much every night. So we never really had to go out too much. So I shouldn't really complain, but I wanna make you aware of it that French food is limited. And if you're gonna go there on this trip, Get yourself an Airbnb and cook your own food. There's some decent supermarkets. I was actually surprised at their price. I thought they're pretty expensive, but there are some decent supermarkets with good offering and you can cook in your Airbnb. Point number 12, which just doesn't happen enough generally in life. There is too many people that don't smile as they pass people on the trail. There's too many people that don't smile as they pass people in life. There's too many people that happen on bikes as well. Guys, it makes everyone's day better if you smile and say bonjour if you're in France. Don't say that if you're not in France because that wouldn't work very well. Well, it could work, but someone might turn around and start speaking to you in French. But it was so easy to be able to just run past someone and say bonjour and then thank you, merci, thanks for nothing really. Sometimes they'd move over. 
some people are so pissed off. And I'm like, dude, you're on this amazing trail. The weather, as I said, was beautiful. The views, as I've said, were beautiful. Like, why are you so upset about it? It's weird. I know not always we want to smile. And this is kind of a life reflection, advice, whatever you want to call it. I know it's not easy, but if that person smiles back, the power and the uplift is absolutely amazing. And to be honest, for for me, and I've said this a number of times before, when I'm out running, when I'm out cycling, whatever, I'll feel better if I say hello. I'll feel better if I smile, even if the person doesn't smile back. So don't just do it for someone else. Of course, do it for someone else, but also do it for yourself, especially if you're suffering a little bit when you're going uphill. Just smile. Tell them how great it is. Everyone's going to be going, this is rubbish, this is shit, I hate it, blah. So this is amazing. And it truly is, if you refer to that point earlier, number four, is that you just turn around when you're suffering a little bit and you just look at the views and you're like, wow, this is really absolutely amazing. Point number 13 ties a little bit into point number one and also another point, which I can't remember what point it was. A lot of people, it was when I was talking about the speed of coming down, not many people really understand what elevation does to your speed. We were running around most of the routes, except the long day that we did was 40K. We're only running about 20, 25K in one hit. But that would often include about 800 meters of ele- 1,800 meters of elevation, 16 to 1,800 meters of elevation. And it would take up to five hours. When you have elevation like that, you're going to drop your average speed. This will freak some people out who are not really into this and have not, well, are not really into it, so don't know, which is cool. Your average speed per hour will be, your average number of kilometers per hour could be about between four to six. So what we're talking there is somewhere between 10 to 15 minutes a kilometer. If you're going up a really steep climb, you're gonna be slowing to about 20 minutes a kilometer. So all of this half marathon in two hours in 1.30 is completely out the window. It's pretty important to understand what elevation is for a number of reasons, but for the main reason is that you don't go out and bite off more more than you can chew. Don't look at the distance, look at the elevation. That is super, super important. And obviously look for more elevation because that's more fun. Uh, Yeah, I'll move on. Number 14, I've only got two to go. Thanks for sticking with me here. Number 14 is that being alone, what we'll call, and I mentioned it earlier in the show, solitary confinement is super good for you. At the start, you might not feel it's awesome. If you just release things, just surrender to the mountain, to yourself, and just be happy being in that moment. Yes, it's going up, but what does it matter? There's no race. And even if there is a race, it's okay. Being alone is so good for you to sort of deal with those emotions. And if you start to get a little bit stressed out or if you start to somehow hate it, then you just ask yourself why. Spin around, look at the view. It's so good for you. You'll learn an incredible amount about yourself. That's why often I'll do it on a climb. I'll just get straight away from people. Normally, the easiest thing is just, I just gun it off the front. Even some days, I was 
absolutely destroyed getting off the front because I've got strong guys behind me. I just go 100 meters off the front or 50 meters off the front so that I can't speak to anyone. I don't want to speak to anyone. I want to be out there. I want to be on my own. It's a really, really good time. No phones, no distractions. Sometimes make a GoPro video if I want to reflect on some thoughts or if I've got some ideas that are going around in my head that I want to save for later. But solitary confinement in these situations, I don't think it's great in all situations, but in these situations and in nature is really, really cool. Point number 15, which my other point number 15 was basically just like you should come on this trip when we organize it next year, but that's going to kind of be my wrap up. Point number 15 was on the back of some feedback that I heard that apparently we didn't advertise that it was all going to be on trail and it was all going to be up and down and there was going to be not much flat. So what I want to say is if you sign up for a camp that's in the mountains, mountains normally go up and down. There's normally not much tarmac, so don't expect it. I think if the person who I had that conversation or was in part of a meeting with listens, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's the mountains. It's totally different to road running. It's not everyone's jam. It's most people's jam, but a lot of people can't get away from the fact that all of their stats, all of their data, all of their heart rate, their speed is going to be completely different in the mountains than what it is on the road. And that hurts a lot of people because it'll screw up their Strava. It'll. I still actually did 350Ks of running in like a couple of weeks. So if you do enough, it's always going to be enough. But if you're trying to measure your training and how many Ks you do a week, the mountains is going to be super hard because there's no tarmac and it's all up and down. Yes, this trip will happen next year. And for those that are thinking about it, just outside of those 15 points, just to give you a little bit of idea, it's quite a loose structured trip. Rob and I simply go there because it's good fun. We love to entertain people. We love to, although we're not very funny, we love to take people out onto the mountain. We love to show them some beautiful routes and we hope that people come. Everyone takes care of their own flights. Everyone books their own accommodation. Everyone takes care of all of their own social arrangements. We have one or two meetups, dinners and stuff, but it's not a camp as in there's an agenda all day, every day. We also respect that it's a holiday. There are some people there with their families, husbands, wives, boyfriends, fiancés, children. So we didn't want to pack it with stuff the whole time that people feel like they are having to be with us. There's simply one or two runs every day. We communicate clearly in advance what time they start how long that we expect them to take. We'll also mention if there is a meetup and that's really about it. It's very relaxed. You're able to have a holiday whilst training. If you don't come to one of the runs one day, that's absolutely fine. I suggest you come to all the runs though because they're really good fun and we take you to super beautiful places and make sure that you're safe as well and rescue at night if you call us and have got lost. No, that doesn't happen. But it's a super... I think it's a super nice way to do it. It's not a very intense training camp. If you want it to be, we can make it really intense. If you say, no, I need something different, give us a shout. We'd be more than happy to talk about it. But this is training in the mountains. And I think with it needs to come a little bit of release, a little bit of relax, a little bit of just go with the flow. Because it's not, it's like I say a lot, it's not linear like life. It, 
goes up and down and even on one single climb you can be up for a number of minutes and then down for a number of minutes and it's absolutely brilliant and you turn a corner and you see an amazing you see mont blanc 4800 meters and you're like there's a guy up there that's cool and then you carry on so it's a whole load of fun i appreciate what rob did rob put a lot to be honest I knew a couple of the routes, but Rob basically put the whole thing together. I appreciate all the people that came, that gave up their time, that gave us their energy and that made it a lot of fun for us. It would have been fun if there was only Rob and I, but it's kind of a lot more fun when we can give this beautiful thing of, of running in these beautiful mountains to a lot of other people. We will run the camp again next year. You are all invited. And until then, don't forget, if you're going and running in the mountains, it's either up or it's down. Thanks a lot for listening to the show. I'll catch you next week.